This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. Labs, now that the draft is over, are you excited to transition from what quarterback are they going to take questions to what quarterback is going to start questions? Well, let's not discount the possibility that in the next couple of minutes here, there might be a couple of questions like why did they draft two quarterbacks or why didn't they draft seven? So I jumped the gun a little bit. We're not quite out of the woods yet when it comes to draft. (laughs) You you blew the whole tease aspect of this. <laughs> but that's why you're there, to pick me up. Do what I can. <laughs> Our first question today comes from Wayne Walter from Blakely, Pennsylvania. Terrell Edmonds reportedly re-signed with the Steelers for one year and is to be paid $2.5 million. How does that amount compare to what he would have made if the Steelers had exercised his fifth-year option instead? Um, the fifth-year option on Terrell Edmonds' rookie contract and and those are determined, by the way, by where you're picked in the draft. Right. Um, so he was relatively far down in the round. But anyway, six point seven five three million for the twenty twenty two season. So, you know, how does it compare? Um almost one third. It's great deal for the Steelers then. I mean, they couldn't have honestly yes. done things better. I know in hindsight you don't really know that you're going to get Terrell Edmonds on that one-year deal for $2.5 million when you let him out into free agency. But, man, I don't, it couldn't have worked out any better, right? Well, financially, absolutely. And you get a player who is right. um, a, still young in, in chronological age, but um, you know he's played a lot of snaps uh, in this defense. And so, yeah, it, it is a pretty good situation for the team. Casey McDonald from Montgomery, Alabama. I know personally I thought Lima Swede would be the next Plaxico Burris, but I was way off. Who was a player you were super high on who then ended up not living up to the hype? Um, you know, I'm an old man. Uh, I've covered a lot of NFL drafts, and I've done it long enough to know what I don't know. Um, and so and when, when you apply that, what I don't know, to projecting uh, college players into the NFL uh, qualifies as a lot. So, um, you know, I'm not one of those guys who DVRs a bunch of games and the combine and, you know, all that stuff and studies this, uh, these guys and thinks that I, right, right. you know, can figure out who, who can actually play in the league. Um, but I do like college football. I, I enjoy it. Uh, I like watching it on Saturdays uh, during the fall when, you know, the uh, schedule permits. And so, you know, I'm kind of like, uh, setting this up to make excuses for myself, maybe, uh, because I'm going to admit that I thought Jarvis Jones was uh, a really good pick, and I thought he was going to be a good player in the NFL. And uh, I admit that uh, part of that reason is uh, I am biased to the toward the SEC. Uh, I believe it's the best football conference, college football conference in the country. Um, I like watching, you know, here locally. Uh, SEC football is on at 3.30 every week on CBS, and I love those games. So, you know, I saw some Jarvis Jones at Georgia when he played in college, and, you know, in 2011 and 2012, back-to-back seasons, Jarvis Jones led the SEC in sacks. Right. He had 13.5 sacks in 2011 
and then 14 and a half sacks in 2012. So, you know, 26 games over his final two seasons at Georgia against the best competition in college football, Jarvis Jones had 28 sacks, two passes defense and an interception. I mean, you know, what I saw on TV, right. uh, what I could read on the stat line, I thought, hey, this this guy, you know, he's what the Steelers need at that position. Um, and then, you know, that he would turn out to be such a disappointment in the NFL never crossed my mind until it had actually happened. And then I saw that for myself with my own two eyes. I think that's a great example. I'm right there with you. When he fell to the Steelers in that draft, I was doing backflips in my dorm room in college. I thought it was such a steal of the draft. I thought we were going to get the defensive rookie of the year. He was going to be a depoy one day potentially. But he's like a really good case study for you just never know, right? Because he checked all the boxes, like you said. His size was perfect. He had the numbers. He played in the Georgia defense against the SEC competition. And sometimes it just doesn't work out in the NFL for these guys. You, you have no way of yeah, knowing I mean, that. Yeah, I mean, well, Jarvis Jones didn't test very well. Uh, at Which the probably combine. helped him he fall some. Yes. Uh, and, you know, and again, um, I, you know, I, I've, I've always been kind of wary of workout warriors. You know, guys who, who look good in the gym go shorts. to the combine. <laughs> I'm sorry? The guys who look good in gym shorts. Right, yeah. Uh, the underwear Olympics, as they call it. Uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, but you know, there, there's a combination of things that I guess go into accurately evaluating these guys. And it's, you know, there's a baseline for athletic ability and a production and all those kinds of things. And then you also have to weigh, you know, the kind of guy he is, is football important to him? Is he a hard worker? You know, all those kinds of things. So, you know, it's not easy. Uh, I get that, but yeah, you're asking, um, Casey's asking me the question. Uh, my answer would be Jarvis Jones. Joe Caldone from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. Do you know if the Steelers have a policy about drafting players who skipped their bowl games? I feel like players who opt out of their bowl games have quit on their college teams and might not be the best option for an organization looking for the right players who can help a team win a championship. Well, if the Steelers had a policy about that <laughs> That's right. uh, Kenny Pick Kenny Pickett wouldn't uh, uh, be on the team um, uh, let me say this I mean Kevin Colbert has said this a bunch of times um, if everything they don't have a policy against um, drafting guys who opt out of their bowl games but uh, Kevin has said that if all things are equal between two players and that very very rarely is right. the case um, they would give the edge to the guy who did not opt out of his team's bowl game. Now, let me just say this to Joe. Uh, I get what you're saying. I get it. But, I mean, what's the penalty for Mark Whipple? The pit offensive coordinator who opted out That's of the bowl point. game to take a job somewhere else. I mean, in, in college football, um, to me, it's unfair for the players to be held to a different standard than the coaches. Absolutely. Coaches bail, um, and t players are ripped for bait for doing the same thing. So, I like Mark Whipple. By the way, um, I wouldn't mind if he was the Steelers' offensive coordinator, uh, but I just think that you know, in order uh, in in the NFL, obviously that cannot happen because contracts are contracts, and you know, players and or coaches would be punished heavily. For violating a contract so uh, but in college I, I think that 
uh, fans might want to lighten up on players who are just doing um, you know, what their elders are showing them by their own actions. And hopefully that is starting to lighten up a little bit. You're starting to see you know, the, the freedom of movement from school to school. Hell, even being able to get paid from switching schools in college. And some people think it's a little bit of a bad thing. To me, personally, I think, hey, like you said, coaches have been doing this for decades. It's only a matter. It's, a, it's only right that the players now have that same amount of power as well. To some degree, yeah. I mean, you know, for a, a lot of times a, a kid will get recruited uh, by a coach. The kid gets to the school. The coach leaves for a better job. And if the kid wants to transfer, then he has to sit out a year. Right. I mean, how is that fair? <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's, it's, so there you go. Gregory Edgar from Studio City, California. When was the last time a Steelers undrafted rookie free agent became a true NFL starter? And who was it? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I would. If Gregory were here with us, I would have to ask him what a, a, what makes a true NFL starter versus just like right. a regular NFL starter. Um, so, without knowing that, um, I'm going to give you some names uh, in reverse chronological order. Um, Matt Filer started 40 games for the Steelers at left guard and right tackle. Uh, Robert Spillane, 11 games at starter at inside linebacker. Al Villanueva started 90 games at left tackle. Chris Hubbard started 14 games at right tackle. That guy James Harrison, mm, remember him? That rings a bell. Yeah, 107 games at outside linebacker in the pick six in Super Bowl 43. Uh, Doug Ligurski started 17 games at guard and center. One of those starts at center was Super Bowl 45 when Marquise Pouncey right. was injured and couldn't play. And Willie Parker, the guy who went 75 yards in Super Bowl 40, uh, started 60 games uh, for the Steelers at running back. And so, you know, let, and to just expand on this a little bit, if being a true NFL starter means you end up in the Hall of Fame, uh, Donnie Shell started 162 games at strong safety. Jack Butler started 102 games at cornerback and safety. And, you know, that's only a part of it. Um, this to me sounded like way too much like a research project. <laughs> I felt like I was back in school. Did you cite your sources? Um, so, Did you use Chicago format? <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember when you have to put, uh, had to put, uh, you know, references on yeah. the bottom of the type bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The bibliography page. Bibliography. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Didn't do that either. <laughs> I will hope that I will never have to write a paper for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm sure you do the same thing. J.D. Aker. I kind of write one yeah. every Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, that's more fun. That's not writing about some boring history lesson. It's the Steelers. I mean. J.D. Akers from Ormond Beach, Florida. Dree Archer was not the great threat he was touted to be coming out of college. So please help me understand how Calvin Austin in the third is any different or if Archer was not used properly in the offense. Their respective stats and combine results don't seem much different. Just saying. Just saying. Okay, J.D., <laughs> um, just saying that if uh, this was a research paper in school, you, you wouldn't do a very good – you wouldn't get a very good grade. F, J.D., um, you'd get an F. Be, well, because uh, <laughs> your your research uh, wasn't very in-depth nor accurate. Um uh, the, the respective stats, well, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, the combine results are, are pretty close. 
Um, Dree Archer uh, was faster in the 40 and then the three-cone drill. Austin did better in the jumps, the vertical and the broad jumped. Uh, their times in the 20-yard shuttle were virtually a dead heat. Um, but Archer was a running back at Kent State. Or was it Akron? Whatever. Whatever Mac school he went to. I've put him out of my mind. <laughs> As you um, should have. Austin was, <laughs> and Austin was a wide receiver. And if you looked up their college stats, you'd know that. Because in 47 career games, Dree Archer had 325 carries for 2,342 yards, which is a 7.2 average, and 24 touchdowns. And then he also had 99 catches in, 40, in those 47 career games. Um, he averaged 12.1 yards a catch and had 12 more touchdowns. Okay, now I'm going to compare him to Calvin Austin. Remember, I said Archer had 325 carries in college. Yep. Austin had eight. <laughs> okay. Quite the drop off. Um, right. Archer caught 99 passes. Um, Austin caught 156. Uh, so clearly, uh, Austin and the bulk of his production. Uh, were made at, at, from the wide receiver position. Um, Archer was 5'8", 175. Austin is currently listed as 5'9", 162. Oh, and let me just say this, because I've gotten some pushback on this. You know, why, if a player is 5'7", and 3 quarters, do you list them at 5'8"? Because it's just easier. <laughs> you know, it's the round-up thing, right. the round-down thing. If a player is... Um, a half an inch, you know, um, I always round up, half an inch or more, five, eight and a half, five, eight and three quarters, five, eight and seven eighths, whatever, that becomes five, nine. If it's, you know, five, eight and a quarter, five, eight and an eighth, whatever, that becomes five, eight. Okay. It's just easier. You know, an eighth of an inch, um, I'm not going there. <laughs> so, okay. So Austin's listed at five, nine, one sixty two. Now, the difference in the two players is Archer's size became a detriment because he was trying to run through the line of scrimmage in the NFL where there's a lot of big people. Big people, angry people, uh, people who are big and have enough quickness where his speed, he couldn't get to speed, you know, right around the line of scrimmage area. So it really wasn't uh, that much of an asset for him. Calvin Austin's going to line up outside the formation. So, and he's going to be lined up against defensive backs. So, um, his speed, his short area quickness, it's an, is going to be a much greater asset for him. And as you know, in the NFL, um, there's no contact allowed with receivers beyond five yards of the line of scrimmage. You can't even have your hands on him. So that's illegal contact. They'll call those penalties. So in the NFL, you're going to have to run and try and chase Calvin Austin around. And that's not going to be a job I think that's going to be very easy. The other thing about receivers in the NFL is once they're downfield and the ball comes into the area and they go up to make a play on it, they become a defenseless receiver. You can't hit them very hard. There are very limited areas on their body where you can hit. And if he's only 5'9", his target area is going to be kind of small. Right. Now, I get it. 162 is very slight. Um, he's probably going to have to get stronger. Um, 
but I mean, he has shown to be decent in terms of, you know, making catches in crowds and stuff. And again, as I said, he'll get protected uh, by the officiating, by the rules. So comparing the two beyond their height and weight and their 40 times uh, really is not applicable. So um, maybe not an F on the paper, but it's got to be a D. No, I'll give him an Just F. Just saying. I'll give him the Just F. Saying. Don't worry. I'll be the bad guy for okay. us. Uh, one right. quick thought, though. Why do you think people like J.D. and I'm sure others who are making this comparison are making the comparison to Dre Archer when I think the comparison to Deontay Johnson is so much more apt? I mean, I know Johnson's a couple inches taller than Calvin Austin is, and he's a little bit bigger, but he's also been in the NFL building up some of that weight for the past couple of years. Both are Mac players. Both went to or played in that kind of slot position, wide receiver. They're smaller. They're faster. They're, people are going to be chasing them around the field, like you said. It's weird to me that people go all the way back to Dree Archer when there's a current Steeler wide receiver they just picked on their roster that kind of seems like a better comparison to me. Am I off base there? Well, if you want to complain about the pick, comparing them to Dree Archer is the, ah, the way to go. See, you're always thinking on a higher plane than I am. You, you can get no, into the minds of these Steelers Nation folks and understand what they're no, thinking. I've just, I've just been exposed to this <laughs> for many, many more years than you. So I'll get there one day. Yeah, well, <laughs> whether you like it or not, yeah, you'll get there one day. Abraham Gray from Honolulu, Hawaii. Seeing how devalued quarterbacks were by everyone except the Steelers, do you think they could have drafted Kenny Pickett in the second round? No. Um, you know, I, I this is one of those things where, you know, it's, it's uh, and I've, I saw a movie about this once, I think it was called Sliding Doors, where... You know, if if one thing happens, well, this is also kind of the plot of um, Back to the Future. Oh, the best. If if you go in into the past and change one thing, then it changes everything else associated with it. That's right. Because the Steelers, if if um, they don't pick Pickett twentieth, they pick someone else. Maybe that someone else would have been was a player that ended up being picked a few picks after 20th. So when that team came up, then they picked someone else. And so, you know, the whole thing changes. You know, you can't assume that if you change one thing, everything else will be the same so that you can make this case that Kenny Pickett is then available in the second round to the Steelers, 52nd overall. If they don't pick him in the first round, who's to say that a team, you know, that either thought about a quarterback later in the draft or picked a quarterback later in the draft wouldn't have had Pickett high enough on their board where they say, hey, we're going to trade up and get this guy now. And it's easier to trade into the second round than it would have been the first round. Or later in the first. Right. Yes. So it's impossible, you know, to say they could have gotten a guy in the second round um, you know, don't pick him there and he'll be there for you 52nd overall. Uh, that's, that's guessing and wishful thinking to me. It, it, uh, it, it just doesn't work that way. So no, I can definitively say that I don't believe Pickett would have made it to 52 overall if the Steelers hadn't, um, picked him at 20. And then if then, then you start getting into, well, then they could have traded up in the second round. Well, you know, then you got to find a trading partner. 
uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Then what are they going to want? Then you're trading away your draft capital, which the Steelers didn't want to do. Um, if they liked the guy, he was there for them. Um, they picked him. We'll find out if it was a good pick or not. But as for right now, the whole speculation and second guessing that they could have got this guy at a different time, I think, is it's total guesswork. James McPherson from Beachwood, New Jersey asks, I'm confused on our late round picks. Cam Hayward's brother, Connor, is a nice storyline, but a fullback slash tight end was needed. The real strange one to me was why did we use a pick on a second quarterback? Chris Oladuke in, in the seventh round? Couldn't we have picked up a camp arm from free agents? Help me understand. Well, this is, um, you know, a kind of a corollary of the last pick. You know, if you don't pick Chris Oladuke in the seventh round, um, are you able to get him uh, as a undrafted rookie free agent? Is it a bidding war? Do you want to pay what another team might be willing to pay? Do you want to guarantee his salaries into that contract, which another team might be willing to do? Um, you know, and and the whole you needed a fourth quarterback. The you know the tragic death of mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins created a, a situation where I don't think the Steelers would have added, you know, two quarterbacks in this draft slash post-draft right. free agent signing period uh, because then they would have had four. That's enough. They always have but said they that want wasn't four, the yeah. case. So that they, they had to add two. Um, so they added a, a guy with a late seventh round pick where, you know, you're not exactly picking. Uh, there's not a lot of pro bowl guys there available at that point. So there's that. And who knows what, this this guy turns out to be Chris Oladukan. I mean, um, maybe he's more than a camp arm. Maybe he creates a situation where the Steelers feel that they can move one of the quarterbacks they have of the four on their uh, training camp roster to get something future draft capital or something. You know, I don't know. I'm not predicting this, but to assume that this guy is automatically going to be cut um, in the seventh round I think is a little premature. Uh, it's very possible that that could be the case, um, but it's premature, just as it's premature uh, to have assumed that you pick someone that late in the seventh round and he's going to make the team. Just watching some of Oladokun's, you know, highlight packages from college, it's interesting to me how much of a bigger guy he is, and he can he can move some. He's got the mobility that Tomlin said he valued a lot in this process looking at the quarterbacks. Is there any, you know, thought in your mind that I know that you're not guaranteed safe if you're on a practice squad, anybody can come and pick you up, but they're looking at this guy and they're saying he could be valuable in practices running scout teams. We've got a lot of big mobile quarterbacks that we have to deal with in the AFC this year. You know, maybe they took a seventh-round pick on this guy thinking, like you said, hey, he could turn out to be something more than just a camp arm, but also he could help, uh, uh, you know, get our defense ready week in and week out when we got guys like Lamar and Josh Allen that we have to go up against. Well, I think that um, Oladukin is going to have to show that he belongs on the 53-man roster okay. in order to be kept. I mean, you don't draft a guy even seventh and then put him to on be a scouting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, that, that's... that's um, um, a careless use of a pick. Uh, so if he's going to have to show up 
uh, through the rest of the offseason program and training camp and then the preseason and show that he is, you know, worthy uh, of being a, a third quarterback in the NFL. If he's not, um, you know, then you move him, uh, you cut him or whatever. But, um, you know, as I said, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that it was a wasted pick right? because as I've said, I've been doing this a long time. You know, there's yeah. Brett Kiesel was a seventh round pick. Kelvin Beecham was a seventh round pick. I get it. Those are the but, outliers though. Not the norm. Right. Those are, those are two from Kevin Colbert's 22 years. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not easy finding seventh round picks who can make a roster. I mean, the rest of the NFL isn't that bad. You know, I mean, there's a lot of these teams may not be great drafting, but, you know, they eventually get it right. Uh, and what I mean is over the course of seven rounds and you have 32 teams picking. So, you know, most of the time, you know, most of the quality players are NFL, um, I won't say NFL ready players, but NFL capable players are gone by the time uh, the Steelers spent that pick on Oladukun. Calvin McClade from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Why did the Steelers draft two quarterbacks? Doesn't that seem like overdrafting positions when we could have just as easily gotten Chris Oladukun as an undrafted rookie? Here we go. You warned me about this, Labs, that it was going to start happening, and here it is. It's happening. Well, it's happening, and this is you know this is the, a different version of the why didn't they wait till the second round to pick Kenny Pickett? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, um, and as I said, okay, all teams, all 32 teams are going to have four quarterbacks at camp. Okay, 32 times four is 128. So that's that's how many quarterbacks have to be under contract by the time training camp opens. Now, not all of them are going to come from this draft. Mm-hmm. I get that. But, again, to assume that you're going to get a guy later um, – is is a guess. I mean, if you look at the the seventh round, there were two teams that picked after the Steelers took Ola Duke and two hundred and forty first overall. That picked quarterbacks. Miami took uh, Skylar Thompson from Kansas State, two hundred and forty seventh. San Francisco took Brock Purdy, two hundred and sixty second overall. So there's two teams right there that were interested in a quarterback at the same um, stage of the draft. Would they have picked those two guys and not Oladukun if the Steelers didn't? I don't know. I don't think Calvin knows either. So just saying that um, could have easily gotten him as an undrafted rookie is, is just not true. And our final question today comes from Michaela Risser from St. Robert, Missouri. For the last two months, I have been arguing with my brother about what the Steelers were going to do in the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. He was persistent in telling me they were definitely picking a quarterback, and I was persistent in saying they would not. I even said Bob Labriola agrees with me. Were you as surprised as I was when the Steelers selected a quarterback in the first round? Yeah, uh, sorry, Michaela. Um, (laughs) Sorry to let you down. I know there's nothing worse than losing an argument um, you know, in, in to to a sibling, to a sibling, you know? especially, yeah. Oh God, it's just the worst. <laughs> so, um, 
I, I really believe, though, um, that the Steelers were um, not going to pick a quarterback in the first round on the, in the leading up to the draft. Um, but the way the draft unfolded, not only, you know, it was, and it's more than just one thing. It wasn't just the fact that none of the quarterbacks were picked, but it was just as much the players that were picked, the positions that they played through the first 19. You know, I thought that if the, the Steelers would look uh, at their 20th pick as a way to either reinforce um, their defensive line or a wide receiver, you know, or maybe, you know, a corner or um, maybe a line, you know, a, a Devin Bush mm-hmm. kind of linebacker or whatever. So as the draft unfolded, you know, a lot of those linemen, Jordan Davis, uh, got picked. A lot of those receivers got picked. So as it got closer to 20, and not only were those guys getting picked, but the quarterbacks were not, um, the way the draft presented itself you know, for a team in the Steelers' situation, um, you know, it kind of made sense. And when we got to 17, 16, 17, uh, I was kind of resigned that you know their best option very well could be a quarterback, and especially when it when Pickett was still there, um, it was going to be him. Uh, I do believe I don't know this. I do believe that Pickett was the Steelers' top quarterback after the evaluations, and I don't believe they perceived any of the other quarterbacks in the class as being first round worthy. So if Pickett wasn't there, they would have had to pick someone else. Uh, I don't think it would have been a quarterback. Um, and then especially because he was there and so many of the receivers and defensive players uh, in the positions that you know they might have been uh, looking at uh, as, as possible areas to do some shopping, those guys were gone too. It just, you know, you'd, best player available, it was him. That's all the questions we got for you in this edition of Asked and Answered. So thank you so much for giving us a listen. If you want your question read on another edition, make sure you get that into Bob Labriola as soon as possible. And hopefully you hear your name next week or in a week to come. But for Labs, I'm Tom Opperman. Thanks as always for giving us a listen, like I said. And we'll be back next week with a fresh edition of Asked and Answered.